Hello and welcome to Is This Anime? I'm your anime expert, Jack Metcalf. And I'm the guy who doesn't know anything about anime, Malcolm Cloud. And joining us is special guest, uh, Andy Alvarez. Is that your last name? I've never even said it out loud. Yes, it is. You pronounced cool, it correctly. Cool, I got that right. I got that right. <laughs> Thank you. I'm a guest star. I'm also an anime fan. Just an anime fan. I don't really have any talents. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I like to sit down and watch uh, uh, Japanese cartoons, just like uh, just like Jack and kind of milk. <laughs> yeah. For those just joining in, each week I select an anime series or movie for Malcolm to watch, as well as the guest. And a, well, we're not doing number of episodes, so who gives a shit? Uh, <laughs> last week's anime was Princess Mononoke. How was it, Malcolm? And may, Andy, if you've if you've seen Princess Mononoke, you can join in too on this combo. I enjoyed it. I mean. Uh... You know, it's a Studio Ghibli film, so it's not going to be bad. Um, yeah, it was it was a lot more delight. Uh, I guess what is it? Delightful than uh, than I was expecting. Uh, but it has like more dark moments than I was expecting too. So it was like this really like interesting sort of sort of Studio Ghibli movie. So yeah, I didn't really enjoyed it. I watched it once a really long time ago, kind of young. I think it's because like uh, I was going to the library, like my local library, and like taking out all the Studio Ghibli movies uh, because they they were like uh, uh, the Disney distributed ones. And my friends were like, "Oh, nice Disney!" So uh, I was watching it, and then I think I watched Princess Mononoke. But I I, I think it kind of like freaked me out at first, and I was just like wasn't ready for it. And like I haven't gone back to it since because I I really like Howl's Mo- uh, Howl's Moving Castle a lot more, and I find myself watching that one on like repeated viewings very often but today we're talking about another classic uh ghost in the shell uh so as always uh let's begin by discussing the development of this classic film because yeah i would say ghost in the shell ghost in the shell and akira are two of those films that i think they're those two quintessential 90s anime films that were kind of like hey, guess what? Animation isn't just for kids, you know? Even though there was plenty of, you know, if you look at anime history, there was obviously plenty of anime prior to Akira and Ghost in the Shell that was very mature and stuff. But but those two, they broke out in the, the West at the very least. You know what I mean? Ghost in the Shell, it began as a manga series, like like so many of, so many of these films. I'd be shocked if we got to one, uh, one film or TV show where it was like, it's not based on a manga. I guess we have done a couple of like. Oh, well, I guess Ghibli novels. stuff is like original. Ghibli stuff. Yeah. Oh, maybe Perfect Blue as well. That one was original. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've covered original from, stuff. It, yeah. If it comes from an auteur, that's, that's kind of the... doing something right. So, yeah. Uh, it began as a manga series written by Masumune Shiro. And Shiro had written three manga series prior to Ghost in the Shell, all of which contain cyberpunk themes and cyborg characters, with the series Appleseed being the most successful of his non ghost work having run for four volumes and being adapted into an OVA, a 13-episode series, and three feature films. Ghost in the Shell debuted in 1989 in Weekly Young Magazine and ran for 11 chapters. The title is a homage to the 1967 book, The Ghost in the Machine, by author Arthur Kostler. Kostler, he was building off an idea coined by philosopher Gilbert Ryle, who argued that the mind of a person is not an independent, non-material entity, temporarily inhabiting and governing the body and i copied that from wikipedia and i still don't really understand it uh, yeah as you were saying that out loud i was like i don't know what this is what do you what you mean but i also feel like after just watching this movie uh, there's definitely parts of me going like am i smart enough for this like i feel like i'm a smart guy but i don't know if i'm smart enough for this yeah like i think i first watched this movie when i was in like grade 10 i was oh like just getting into anime and i like 
was like what's the quintessential like like cyberpunk anime because i was like I, I love blade runner so i was like i want more of this and uh when i watched this one i yeah i, I was like whoa this is like very violent and there's a lot of gratuitous nudity but i i don't get it and i don't think i'm smart enough to get it yet and even now this is like what like fifth time watching this movie in my lifetime i don't think i get it <laughs> I, I i get the idea of it i'm not sure if i can articulate it i mean maybe maybe we, we need to have a like a philosopher if you're a fan and you want to and you're also a philosopher or have a philosophy degree <laughs> we'd love to hear your thoughts yeah I've been, I've been doing this uh, bit where I keep saying, like, this would be a great, like, term paper. If you're a philosophy student, you should just watch this movie and then, may, you know, write a paper about it. Like, cause I think- Let's talk differences between the manga and the feature film. The manga is notably different, very different in tone. It's interesting because I was expecting kind of the manga to at least the first uh, manga series because um, uh, Shiro ended up doing two more sequels. But I expected them to be closer together. And while, like, you know... There's definitely scenes that are like, oh, cool, they cribbed that from the manga, but it's very different in tone. The art style is a lot more bubbly, um, so it's interesting. The film adaptation of Ghost in the Shell, which is easily, you know, this 1995 film, it's easily the most uh, iconic version of this franchise. It was produced by Stu- Production IG, Bandai Visual, and Manga Entertainment. And uh, Kazu- Kazuhori Ito wrote the script, and Mamoru Oshii directed the film. And Oshi was interested in the influence and power of computers, which back in the early 90s wasn't explored heavily in cinema. And the producers, <laughs> I love it when producers uh, complain, the producers of these films complain because they were frustrated by the lack of action in this film. But, you know, Oshi, he proceeded with his plans anyways. I know. I mean, it's one of those things where I feel like, especially in the 90s, it seems, yeah, the, the directors just had all the control. And now, like, it's kind of like they've seen it kind of wrestled away but i do respect it where i'm like yeah it's probably best that the producer isn't thrilled because it's like again the producer is not the most creative force on a production so it's like yeah maybe it's best that you're like a little disgruntled because <laughs> like i feel like anytime i've ever seen like a big name producer and they're like they're directing their first feature film it's usually like a dog shit film <laughs> like it's usually like you're like, oh, that's so bad. <laughs> like, how, how did this guy produce Goodfellas and then produce this dog turn? So I'm like, I, I'm amused by it. And also I like that it's like, oh, there's just not enough com- um, movies about computers. And then like, essentially this movie clearly inspired so many other franchises or like went up. It, it only inspired the most famous film about computers, which we'll get to in a moment. The, the setting of the film was based on Hong Kong due to the city's countless signs and loud noises, and the animation techniques in Ghost in the Shell pushed the boundaries of animation with its mix of cell animation and computer graphics. Realism was a major emphasis, with the animators even going to a shooting range in Guam in order to research firearms. Why would they go to Guam? I, I mean, I, I guess, guess it's, 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 like a, it's nearby Japan or something. I, I, yeah, I don't know geography, I, oh, though. Well, I was thinking of, well, I guess, guess I'm answering my own question, which is like Guam is an American territory, so they probably have American gun laws. So it's easier to test out a bunch of like random guns there than it is yeah. to like try to get guns into Japan and then test them. Yeah, they they cared about the research and they got to play with guns and then, you know, kind of uh, do all that. Like, yeah, I, w- I was watching a like 30 minute behind the scenes documentary on this film and they just talked about how like, they were trying to like accurately produce the the effect that like uh, bullets have on like different uh, types of material. Like they went either yeah, way. Yeah, 
too. Like the animation, it's insane. And even just like down to how characters reload their weapons, like they'll spend like 30 seconds like loading their gun in like the in between like a, you know, the, an action scene. And it like the animation for that is crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So- I mean, I mean, yeah, the, the animation in this film is it's just like out of this world. Like it's out of this world how great it is. In the opening credits, when I was watching the movie, I had to pause it and like write down a note uh, about it because I want to bring it up is like there there was a character designer, you know, like in most animated movies. But then there was a weapons designer and a like uh, like like uh, um, mechanical designer. So like somebody on the film, yeah, their entire like job is just figuring out how ev- like all the machines work and like. You know the the one scene where where you can see like into the headquarters of sec uh, of section nine and um it's like the head of section nine and he's like ordering these uh the these like girls at computers to like type and like you know figure stuff out for him and they, it cuts to a shot of their fingers and you realize that they're not using regular like hands it's like these cybernetic like spread out like uh small fingers that like close and form a, a regular human hand and they're all typing and each one is like meticulously animated and there's like text crawling on the screen like uh for, from the computer and there's, there's so many moving elements in each shot that like e- you could pause and watch a shot on a loop and you could probably notice something new each time it's it's crazy oh yeah i mean i love that like yeah just like because that surprised me the first time i saw it, where they're like the hands because they like just look like normal hands and then they kind of start spreading out and they all become these like typing machines because it's not just like those girls in the truck. There's like later on, there's like one of the head. Uh, I don't know if it's like a head guy or whatnot, but he was like clearly like a boss. Uh, and he was like, oh, I'm going to go on the computer. And then his hands did the same. But I mean, I, I didn't even realize that they had their own mechanical and like weapons designers. That those are like, like, I don't even think like AAA video games have that level of detail. Oh, I'm, I'm sure AAA video games have that because those they just the work good those ones. people to the fucking bone. <laughs> the good ones. Uh, um, the last thing I wanted to bring up quickly was uh, it's funny that you mentioned that Hong Kong connection because I didn't realize that but when I was watching it uh, some of the like urban areas that they run through you know the, with the graffiti and like uh, like, like the, the wires and all the, the like claustrophobic streets like they remind me of that one city that used to be I think in Hong Kong it was called like the, the walled city and it was like a very like condensely packed like like favela essentially that was like built upon and added onto over over the years and like if you look pictures of it it's like they have like all their wiring running on the roofs and it's like the narrow narrow hallways that like basically fit one person like single file and like it reminded me a lot of the sets in the film and now it's interesting to think that maybe it actually inspired it because uh uh hearing the hong kong fact that you mentioned yeah, actually, that makes sense. Yeah, because that's actually a good, like, I didn't even think about that. But now that you brought up the Walled City, I'm like, oh, of course. It's like, what this really feels like, it's like kind of a combination of, like, sort of, like, old school Japan, but, like, you know, now with, like, a, that kind of Blade Runner aesthetic of, like, futurism. But then you get the Hong Kong Walled Yeah, then you get the, wall, like, the Walled City Hong Kong effect. And then on top of it, like, you know, um, yeah, I guess... And you maybe get a little bit of like New York sprinkled throughout. It's just that, yeah, the whole city is like, is really cool. Like when you look at it, you're like, oh, this feels like a city in the future. Like it's like so, so many times, yeah, like I feel like we're heading towards, maybe it's because we've been in this pandemic. <laughs> so like it feels like we're heading towards this, like, yeah, kind of like if the future cities are going to be kind of grimy. 
They're not going to be this like clean utopian. Ghost in the Shell, it premiered at the Tokyo International Film Festival in October 1995. Initially, it only grossed $10 million, failing to recoup its budget, but it became a cult hit on home video, ultimately increasing its overall total to $43 million. And yeah, it it was, again, like like I just said, along with Akira, it, it helped get rid of that that perception about animation. Uh, and and James Cameron even has like a quote where he says it's like the first the first a- animated film to to truly pose uh, adult ideas and uh, you know uh, James Cameron thank you for the compliment towards animation but no there there, there are other there are other great anime works uh, in the eighties that you just did not watch. I mean, it's probably best that he didn't watch it because that's like when he was making like Terminator and stuff. Yeah, it's just I, I just kind of hate when like you know someone is just like this is like the one work that like changed everything. And it's like, well, I'm sure if you like looked like 15 years ago or something, you'd probably find some good stuff too if you bothered to watch more than two movies. Uh, so of the many Ghost in the Shell fans, the most important of them, uh, Malcolm, can you guess who the most important Ghost in the Shell fans were? Arguably, Scarlett Johansson and her no. twin brother. Uh, men in men in between twenty and thirty. Uh, no, uh, the Wachowskis. Uh, who oh. I guess. Uh, yeah, the, the who are women. Uh, yeah. So, I just said that so awkwardly. <laughs> I, I said that so awkwardly. Like, I Wachowskis, said that they are women. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the Wachowski sisters. The Wachowskis. I just call them the Wachowskis. It's it's easiest that they way. They were like the um, Wachowski starship for a while. I kind of like that. Yeah. I was like, that makes sense. So, so they had pitched the Matrix to Joel Silver by showing them Ghost in the Shell, and they said they wanted to do that, but for real. And you know, you you could very easily see the uh, the Ghost in the Shell references in the Matrix. I mean, the plugs, the plugs in the uh, the back of the Major's uh, neck, and you know, even like the uh, the the green numbers and stuff. Like that was a direct homage. They. Yeah, like Carrie, like Carrie Ann Moss is essentially playing uh, Matoko, like on some level. Like in terms of like they just have her dressed the same. Like she's just dressed like that, um, like the major, like the throughout the whole trilogy. I guess now it's going to be a fourth film coming soon. But um, but here's the thing: the Wachowskis, they're cool. They they have not been afraid to admit that they love anime. They even made an anime adaptation uh, with Speed Racer. So. Yeah, that's actually one of the like only like anime that I, I think I may have watched when I was a kid because it used to air. Um, uh, my my dad would watch like the Racing Network, like the, there would just be like uh, like a car network, and uh, they would air like at like eleven or twelve at night on like Fridays and Saturdays. Uh, Speed Racer episodes, <laughs> so, like that was like it'd be like this, like going back to coverage of like NASCAR, and then it'd be like. Up next, it's an episode of Speed Racer. <laughs> like, that was the only, like, filler programming they had because there was, like, Fast and the Furious was just too expensive for them at that point. Let's talk about sequels and spinoffs. Uh, in 2002, a 52-episode series titled Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex debuted. It takes place in a different continuity from the film and manga, but it was very well received and also featured a manga adaptation of its own. Ghost in the Shell 2... Innocence came out in 2004 and was a direct sequel to the 1995 film. Momoro Oshi returned to direct and also took over screenwriting duties. It wasn't quite as well received initially due to its vastly different tone, but has undergone a bit of a critical reprisal in recent years. I, I actually really want to, I think I've seen the movie. I don't remember it. I really want to rewatch it though, because it's got a very different tone from, from what I recall. 
Yeah, I watched it and, like shortly after I uh, first watched Ghost in the Shell back in like high school, and yeah. uh, I like streamed it on some shady looking website. But uh, um, after watching it, I was just as confused, but also I was like, this is completely different from the first movie. But then also, I love when movies do that. I love when the sequel is like a completely different film. Yeah, you you got again. We we love these. Uh, we're, we're very pro auteur on this podcast, and so you know, very pro again. We're, we're we're again. You're talking to a last Jedi defender. So I love it when I love it when um I love it when creators and directors uh, say fuck you to the fans. I'm like, yeah, do it. Tell me to fuck off. I'm a, I'm awesome. I'm cool with it. Uh, so yeah, I, I do really want to watch Ghost in the Shell uh, to Innocence. Maybe I'll even do so before the uh, before next week's episode. But yeah, so bit of a undergone some critical reprisal again. Like fan expectations were probably pretty damn high. People wanted more of the same, and uh, he didn't do that. He did not. He's like, "Fuck you! I'm making my own movie." Well, the uh, problem is, is that like anytime like they just like make the same movie twice. I'm looking at you, The Hangover Part Two. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like it just like it's such a big letdown. You're like, oh, man, I just not what I wanted. So I'm like, I'm always, yeah, like I said, pro auteur. I'm pro, like, just do something different. Because, like, you can still appreciate the thing that came before it, even if it's not your thing. Or, you know, go write fan fiction of what you really wanted to see. So so in between this, Masamune Shiro, he released two sequel series to his manga comprising around eight chapters each. And, uh, oh, man, they're they're pretty incomprehensible. I tried reading them <laughs> and uh, I need to be in the I need to be in the mood. Uh, I like the artwork, but he, too, is a person who's like he'll even ha- he even has like footnotes in like almost every page that are like explaining the world. So. Yeah, I mean, it is my pet peeve when I like because I'm like I have a creative writing degree, and like when people would would pitch these things where they would be like, and they have this, I have this whole world planned, and then they would like this is mostly like for fantasy, but some sci-fi writers were doing this like when I was in like classes, and yeah, it would be like, oh, I have this giant world, and then they like would explain all this stuff, and they'd be like, there was this war that happened, and then they would pitch like the world's like the worst story that they could have been. It's like, well, it's going to be about a boy and he like goes on a quest. I'm like, yeah, but you just told me about this great war that happened. Like, I want to see that. Um, but also I'm like, I also don't need footnotes. Like if you're telling me about a war that happened 200 years prior, that doesn't affect anything from your story that you want to tell about a boy on a quest. So I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of footnotes uh, in fiction, but I also kind of, get it especially for this kind of sci-fi where there's definitely like it wants to be based in science and like be based in like some sort of reality like this feels even though this movie set in 20 uh 29 i'm like we're not gonna get here we're not gonna get to what your vision is um it's it's one of the sad things now where it's like we're like especially stuff made in like the 80s and 90s where they're like, yeah, we'll set it in like 2021 or whatever. And now we're here and we're like, oh, we're, we're nowhere near where this world was supposed to be. Um, so Ghost in the Shell Arise was a series of four 50-minute OVAs that released between 2013 and 2014, later cut up into 10 episodes. It received a film that served as the finale. And it's also a separate continuity. And oh, yeah. After years of development hell, a live-action Hollywood movie adaptation of Ghost in the Shell came out in 2017. I do not have anything to say about it. I have not watched the movie. I I, I read some reviews of the ScarJo movie, and it the criticism was that it basically uh, it's what you'd expect from a Hollywood 
adaptation of anything good, which is it just simplified the themes to be like, oh, uh, it doesn't matter about your past. It's just uh, what you do that defines you. And uh, that's not really what not really the message of this movie at all. <laughs> not it's I think that's from Batman Begins. It's not who I am, but what I do, but what I do that defines me. It's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. So. So yeah, we 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 open up. Uh, we we get this awesome like night vision shot of uh, this through like uh, Makoto's eyes, and what, what what's going on? It's like I I was kind of confused what this whole like meeting that uh, she's kind of fucking up uh, that was about. Yeah, like I I feel like I kind of didn't really understand it until halfway through the movie when I kind of heard more about the politic like uh, like espionage kind of thing going on between like the section nine and six, but. Uh yeah, it, it's it's like diplomats and like they were trying to keep uh like a possession of a like hacker and give him like like uh immunity and like political protection, right? Yeah, like I, I think it was, was this hacker um was going to go and defect and mm-hmm. uh, and to prevent the defection from happening. Uh yeah, major she comes in and like uh basically kills uh, the diplomat to prevent that from happening. Like that's how I kind of viewed it. Uh, but it's like it's weird. Like this, there's like long stretches in this movie where there's like very little dialogue. So it's like, oh, like you're hearing certain things, but like you're not hearing a ton. You're just kind of like, oh, I'm trying to figure this out. I do like that they kind of just dropped us in right in the middle of something. Like that's always a good. Uh, and then it's I'm- not only. Uh- it's not only shortly like four minutes in when we get like a naked robo backflip swan dive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Goes, it's, it's, it's a one way to introduce a character. That's for sure. She also becomes like in like camouflages uh, mm-hmm. perfectly into like her environment as well after the assassination. Cause like mm-hmm. this all happens. Like what I can presume to be, I don't know. It's like a circle of buildings that are like connected. Yeah. And then there's like an atrium in the center and she like some for however it is, she either pops up or like comes down and like kills, like shoots this, um, yeah, this diplomat and only kills him. I mean, I loved, I love that like the visual and even the idea of it of just like, oh yeah, like if you're falling and then you can just and you don't have to worry about like fall damage. You're just like going in and like yeah, kind of flipping, get the shot. Although it's a, so much like of like the luck of like, okay, this person is going to stand here in this moment. <laughs> but I don't know. It was a really great, like, yeah, sequence. It's, it's a hell of an opener, man. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's great. It's it's like the perfect mood setting and introduction to the, like, just the, the atmosphere, too. Like, it, 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 it introduces you to the team and, like, you know, the, like, like, the main players, like, the Major and Bato and, like, the some of the few other guys. And then, like, you, you also get to meet, like, kind of the villain. But, like, you know, just, like, the opposition, like, Section 6, like, grunts and, like, uh, Krogies, you know? Yeah, regardless, it's it's a great way of, like, establishing the tone and essentially making, like, the Major is a weapon. Like, that's kind of, um, like, she's been made into a weapon, even though she was at one point human, I think. And then the fantastic title, uh, title sequence. And, like, I, I hope we can talk about the song, because... The song is, I think, a major part of this movie. The first time I heard it, I like, I was like, you know, it was, it was kind of haunting because it's just like this chanting choir, and it's like all like female voices, and like they're they're almost kind of like like wailing when they're doing it too. 
And it wasn't until just this last time when, when I was watching it on Amazon Prime, you know, pause and it'll bring up like who who the actors are and what characters they're playing. And sometimes it'll be like a, a little fact about like the certain scene, which is a really cool feature that I like about Amazon Prime. Actually. But um, they were saying that the song was written in like ancient Japanese and like the lyrics are kind of weird. But like after kind of watching the movie this last time and kind of reading the lyrics after the uh, the film had ended, you know, I can kind of see what kind of where some of the themes lie in it if you like interpret it in a very like deep and philosophical way. But I think the song is also just an incredible piece of music. It's insane. But yeah, I've, I've got it stuck in my head right now. It's it's again, it's haunting, but it totally suits the mood. It, it's it it's such a perfect like kind of cyberpunk theme music, if you know what I mean. I mean, it's kind of quintessential cyberpunk uh, kind of music. And yeah, it's, it's this haunting element to it that I really liked because I was like, oh, there's like this bit of like a nightmare inducing tone to it where you're just like, oh, this is like kind of scary. Like this like would work really well in like a horror movie. Like, oh, yeah. And 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 like Akira and Ghost share like the same thing uh, where they just like use the raw like force of like the human voice in like n- not necessarily a singing tone but like heavy breathing in akira or like you know uh more like a chanting wailing kind of uh sound here in ghost in the shell right yeah that's like one of those things where like i may not fully understand like the plot of this movie but like like in terms of just like yeah like visually this is really interesting and intriguing and like the music's really like well done like it's just like it has these like elite parts to it i i forgot it, it ends with her waking up like like as soon as it seems that she's gonna like uh submerge from like this pool of like liquid or water after she's finished being built she like wakes up in her bed and like uh it, it's all like shadow and contrast and she's like overlooking the city and the music is like crescendoing to like its final point and that was also just a great way to finish the uh the title sequence too because like it, it's like a hard cut to black with the music and then you transition into the rest of the scene and and the title sequence is almost like its own little like like uh con- like like condensed uh uh like vignette like a short like epilogue almost yeah no that actually makes a, a ton of sense yeah because yeah when you think about it yeah the whole because like that whole sequence it, it's kind of long it's like at least mm-hmm. like three or four minutes there's a, there's a lot of there's like another long wordless sequence in this film which is just like um oh, I love a it. montage of in, locations in oh it's great yeah. but i'm just like, I oh, love man, it, because like it reminds me a lot of uh have you guys heard of uh, uh Scotsi? No. no it's this movie from the 80s made by this dude i think he was like a priest or something but he was like not really a filmmaker but he like i think like had some experience making movies but he was from new york and he i, I think he knew people and he made this like documentary that's like entirely uh like music driven and it's just like shots of people in the street or like nature in slow motion and it's set to this very dramatic mu- uh, music by uh, uh philip glass it came out like yeah in like 1989 and if you watch see how it like influenced a lot and i think i after watching that sequence in this movie i think it influenced that part of the movie because it's literally the same it's it's like just these like uh slice of like 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 the the city and like uh people walking through the street in slow motion like like occasionally glancing at the camera uh and i i found that even in in the animated like uh uh sequence in the film 
they even made like some of the characters almost look like they were looking at the camera. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like if, if, if you had seen the movie or, or, or if you like write it down to search it up later and then watch that scene again, I think you'll, you'll, you'll see the, the connection between the two. Oh, I can see that. I mean, I think that's one thing that's been really interesting doing this podcast is kind of seeing how like everyone kind of like is inspired by everyone else. Like it's always, it's like a ping pong match for lack of a better example um, where, yeah, where it's like, oh yeah, the guy, cause that's a thing. It's like with, you know, different movies uh, and TV shows, it's like, you know, they're in some ways all Frankenstein from one thing to the other. Like, you know, it might be like a core premise that's different, but like, yeah, you just like these moments are all the same. I was just listening to a podcast where like uh, someone was uh, kind of explaining, uh, well, it was a Pete Holmes podcast, the comedian, uh, stand-up comedian Pete Holmes. He was like, talking about how his TV show Crashing on HBO has a lot of very similar plot beats to the movie uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, um, uh, where there's like, two characters both kind of you know they're significant others you know cheat on them and then fall in love with the people that they cheated on and then they have to like go from this breakup and like start anew but it's like both movies are uh were produced by Judd Apatow and you'd think like oh Judd Apatow would be you know more critical about like well I've already made this movie but instead he went and was like no but they're both like very core different like ideas like in terms of like what they become even though they may you know share some of the same like skeleton um and i, I don't know why but like i'm now drawing a parallel to even that example uh to uh kind of even just watching yeah this where like i mean so much of the like i love that even the, just the title like ghost in the shell like it's such a great title it's like one of the probably one of the better titles out there terms used in the in the world of the film too because like they they like the characters will reference oh my ghost or like oh this is a new shell and like they're referring to like their bodies and like you know their minds their consciousness yeah because like uh who is it uh yeah but yeah he kind of talks about like how like your uh like people's brains are basically kind of encased in titanium uh which is the shell um, and then like, that's how they're able to like, you know, basically access the internet and like do all and these like, crazy things like communicate and stuff. Yeah. Cause that's a, yeah. Cause like, essentially you're just communicating through Wi-Fi at that point. Yeah, um, exactly. You know, and, and let's also not forget that as awesome and cool as the title sequence is, it is also full of good old anime fan service. Oh, and there's a yeah. fine line between anime fan service and tasteful nude, and I can't really decide when it is one or the other. You know, again, having having read the manga and seeing that a completely uh, random two page lesbian threesome, I'm like, um, <laughs> the movie's movie's pretty tasteful. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, the the the, the movie's probably tasteful than, than the manga, based on your description. Yeah, I mean. I mean, I think that's the thing. It's like a lot of these things are, you know, like these anime shows and movies we've covered that are from this era. Like, yeah, most of the time it's just like it's just out there in terms of like, oh, it's super sexist. It's like <laughs> all this nudity and stuff. Yeah, yeah, this was probably like from what we've covered so far, the most tasteful because there was this element to it where I was like watching it where I'm going. Yeah, it's like can get a little gratuitous. But at the same time, I'm like, but is she a like it's just like a robot like it's just a person like i always was like you know it's kind of that thing where you like watch like westworld and they do this kind of a similar thing i mean westworld, I mean, kind westworld of is like way fucking worse <laughs> it's way worse and i'm gonna say that it's way worse because it's like very clearly just like humans um but at the same time like like uh 
the major's design itself, like her face is like pretty androgynous. So I don't know. I wasn't, I don't know. It's, it's, it draws an interesting line. I felt it was pretty tasteful again, having, mm-hmm. having seen well, other yeah. versions of the story. <laughs> so let, let's, uh, in, in the interest of kind of, kind of moving things along. Um, yeah, I love, I love the, the garbage man, uh, chase. <laughs> that is so fucking fun. So oh yeah the trash like you guys supposed to wrestle the trash man and like just falling in the trash um and i find it so funny that he's just this like average joe like like well you know obviously later the you you, you start to question that but he's just like this average dude who's like yeah i'm gonna do and he's so like happy go lucky about it and like when, when when he does figure out that like the cops are after them and they're like trying to like catch them he he he's like not even worried about like oh no I'm gonna get arrested and I'm not gonna see my family he's like I gotta warn the guy who made me do this job that nice man that I met at the bar when I was like sulking in 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 drink yeah that's the whole that whole thing like kind of fucked me up when you find out with the garbage man that like he's yeah. kind of, like programmed and they're just like you've been saying that you had this wife and these kids they're like your kid. And yet, like you've lived in this like studio, like one bedroom, like yeah, that oh, and 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 it's just like that. That's also like another great shot of just like sometimes they'll just cut to these like liminal spaces where like nobody's in the scene, nobody's like there, but it's just like his empty apartment in like 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 just as like the sun is setting, and then like a shot of just like the TV and like the messy, gross, like dark and gray colored apartment, and then there's just like this dog commercial on the TV that's like bright and pink. And like there's just it's just dripping with so much like moviness and like term paper material. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh like yeah, like I love that shot. Um and it's also when they reveal like with this trash man because he like it's clearly been like he's been in like probably brainwashed is the best yeah. way to describe it. But yeah, no, he gets like brainwashed with okay. that yeah uh or programmed like i wasn't sure it's a uh, uh, hacked or whatever he, his memories have been hacked hacked yeah i guess that makes sense it's just like there's like you're like oh, i've been even showing this photo around of like you and your like wife and it's just like oh, this, man, this like, shot of the photo oh my god yeah kind of fish-eyed he's like kind of like wonky-eyed in it and there's like this dog that we see later on the beagle uh uh-huh. that like you see the beagle he's like i think it's a not too long after where you're, like a car's driving by and then you see the beagle kind of like on a bridge kind of uh-huh. like legs well, up the major air. right yeah was that major was this major the beagle? i think so no no no. uh like like the the major's on like this boat in a canal that's going underneath the bridge and i think the the beagle's like on the bridge above the major and as she's passing underneath it she notices it yeah and that's exactly that was, yeah. it but I noticed that Beagle was also in that photo. With yeah, that. yeah, yeah, that too. And and, and, and sure. it's so like sad too, because like right after they see the photo, they and and this is the other thing about the animation is that sometimes like it could be just saving money and like you know all that stuff, which is also funny because later they just have an invisible character. Uh, but like sometimes like it, it almost seems that certain characters don't blink for like the whole shot. And uh, you know, I I thought that that was like a thing to like show how like robotic they are. But uh, it, the it was a shot when the major's like loading her gun in the back before they do the 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 garbage man chase, and it's like the the one like honest cop character who's sitting there and he like doesn't blink for the whole film. Uh, but that also came out later, where where like after we see the photo of the garbage man and we just see his reaction of like the photo, like there's like no movement in in the shot really except for like the slow pan. Uh, I mean uh, the 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 slow zoom in 
into him, but tears just start like streaming down his face, and like it's just so it's so like it's so bleak, it's so desolate, it's so it it's so good. Yeah, it, no. It's... Was there was there a similar scene to that in Blade Runner? I feel I can't 2049, remember. Twenty forty nine. I think they no, kind or, of or, or or even like the original Blade Runner. Is oh yeah, a, like the 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 opening when he's giving him like the void comp test and he's like what what what's the name of your mother what would you do if you like found a turtle like baking in the hot sun and he's like tweaking out because his android brain can't handle the like the emotional response or whatever right i mean fuck man this film it brings up you know (laughs) again where we're in covid world is you know put the microchip in me and all that stuff but it is like you know if if we lived in a world where like people have you know technology like implanted mm-hmm. in them like and their memories could be you know hacked and stuff man that's just yeah. how how yeah. would you be able to comprehend you know if your whole life was literally a lie like good god Malcolm, this is anime never existed <laughs> you were ghost hacked yeah jack no. jack Wait, isn't this, real oh my god I, there's this, no guests <laughs> i've just been <laughs> rapping <laughs> bill burr style into a microphone for weeks <laughs> Do you know what would be a wonderful double feature? Uh, this and Perfect Blue. You would just spend oh, uh, yeah. three hours. Three oh, hours. Absolutely. I mean, both. <laughs> three hours just, you know, questioning your own existence. You would just, just fucking mess. Yeah. Going to bed, not being able to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I'd you be know, like, thing, though, this would drive me to watch The Big Bang Theory. I'd be like, after that, I'd be like, I gotta do, I got a palate cleanser. I guess I'm gonna I need a bazinga. Yeah, give me a some, couple of bazingas. Oh, even that might be too scientific. I might be like having to go a little old school and get like and be like, I'm gonna watch two and a half men. <laughs> you, you know, know? The, the the great thing about this though in Perfect Blue is they're both under 90 minutes long. They're they're like 80 minutes, and you know what? We need more line. short. We need yeah. more short movies, guys. This movie is such a delicious length. Yeah, it's 82 yeah. minutes, and that's that's all you need. Like, it tells its story concisely. I, I don't know how long the fucking ScarJo movie is, but I'm sure that's way longer than it fucking needs to be. Well, yeah, because they probably were like uh, scared of like the montage sequences that were like you know four or five minutes long here, and then like we're like, I oh, guess we'll uh, you know we have to explain the garbage man. We have to give him a name. His name will be I don't know like Brian or whatever. Like uh, my my <laughs> my understanding of the ScarJo movie is that for for the sake of fan service, they kind of combined multiple plots from other series. So they were like, yeah, you kind of get everything. You get the guy from this movie and this movie, and then that why sucks. not just tell? It's also like why not? Honestly, if you're gonna do Ghost in the Shell, why not just tell an original story? Because like yeah. every every other version of Ghost in the Shell is an original story, so who gives a yeah, shit? It feels like this would be like you know like Prime for like uh, like an Amazon Prime or like an Apple. Oh, original yeah. show. Like I feel like Definitely. I wouldn't be surprised if they like re kind of someone like decides to like take another. You run know what? This. I don't want any fucking Americans touching this. No, oh, yeah, I want like a Japanese, like uh, Netflix funded. Like, yeah, I've, yeah cool. I've already watched Westworld, and that shit sucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I've watched all three seasons of Westworld. Every time, it always is. I'm like, oh man, this time it's gonna be good, and then it's not. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> say something. Jonathan Nolan, uh, the Christopher Nolan's brother, the guy behind Westworld, and like, person of interest. And, I heard person like, of interest is actually decent. I heard it was like well received. I don't know. I never yeah, watched it. Yeah, so. it's uh, it's good for a procedural, but like it's um yeah, 
he's I don't think he's that great of a writer like I and I and I this is someone who like I don't like I didn't really like Interstellar so like, I was, like and he, he's the brains behind Interstellar with like his brother doing all the visual stuff it's like ah uh, I don't know he, there's like this ah. the Nolans have this lack of humanity that they like they feel like they are like they feel like they're like robots like they feel like they're like the major in this where they're like I don't know what humanity is like that and like and then they keep having to try to make these like human stories but they also like have robots in them or like space and or superheroes. And it's like, Oh, like you, like, the reason why the Batman films are good is because like that, like they're more disconnected, like Batman's disconnected from everyone. <laughs> but like when you're trying to do something that like connects like Dunkirk, it's like, Oh, like this, your style doesn't work here. The thing is though, even though, even though the major is supposedly like unemotional, we, we get this, uh, I don't even know where we are in terms of uh, the timeline. Um, well, we we haven't even talked about like the. I was going to talk about the master? diving scene. Uh, <laughs> let's let's talk uh, the scene where the major uh, is diving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's like a, I think a really important scene in the movie because it's like a very like important monologue is delivered by the major, and I feel like that's like kind of the basis for the philosophy of the movie because she just kind of spits the facts of it. Yeah, well, there's like there's a lot of it has to do with like water, like her being like mm-hmm. kind of coming out of water is sort of this like big visual cue without throughout this movie where it's like, you know, like she's whether it's yeah at the beginning kind of like going into like whatever her bed mm-hmm. is, she kind of swims to it, you know, diving from like when she kills the diplomat, I think she's yeah kind yeah, of swim exactly. diving into water and obviously this ocean. The one question I had and uh, has been like I'm kind of surprised for someone who's like so like robotic as she is uh and it's not like an insult um <laughs> surprised by the fact that she has to use like oxygen like scuba diving equipment like mm-hmm. i would have thought that they would have had the technology like to, <laughs> to allow her just to swim without it because it yeah. seems like she's holding her breath in other sequences and like kind of just rushing up to get air but i also uh-huh. guess it's like that's probably the one of the things that's keeping her like human is like the need to breathe yeah, exactly. And the need to drink beer. Yeah. <laughs> well, if Futurama has taught us anything, robots uh, love beer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Robots do love their beer. Uh, but that's uh, that that's interesting uh, that you mentioned the whole uh, water aspect, Malcolm. Because like, um, when the major gets out of the water and she's like explaining it to Bato, like why she does it. Cause he's like, why, why do you like going down into like the deep dark, like abyss of like a cold, like ocean? Uh, like when, when, when you just don't have to do that, you know, like, like you're a cyborg, you didn't necessarily need to do that. And, and she's like, uh, because like each time I, I resurface, I feel like I'm reborn. And I feel like, uh, like if you would interpret that, it's because like, you know, it takes her back to like when, when she like, like, I imagine that the opening sequence was like she was dreaming and having like a flashback to like snippets of memories of when she was like being activated and being built. And, you know, she's trying to get back to that by like going diving and then doing that whole like submersion uh, uh, reflection in the water trick. Yeah, I guess that's a good like, yeah, it's a kind of a astute observation because like, yeah, I guess that there is this element of like, like feeling alive or like, yeah, this kind of constant rebirth because it seems like she can be like turned off and on by other people and like obviously mm-hmm. later on with the puppet master where um you know he, yeah they i almost want to say they like they seem kind of almost yeah uh i mean, non-binary. They, they works, I mean yeah uh, the puppet master is like not even it's it's pure ai right yeah it's a pure ai it's like you know the puppet master kind of like 
kind of going in and intercepting into her at some point. She is like constantly losing that identity. And like the puppet master has this like great monologue at the end. I know we're jumping around, but it's like, you know, it's (laughs) like, why do you even like, he kind of just says something along the lines of like, you know, won't I lose? She's like, won't I lose my sense of self? And it's like, why do you even care about that? I think that's his response. Oh yeah. Who cares about that? They're, they're kind of polar opposites because uh, the major is like, you know, she's the closest thing to, to human compared to the puppet master because the puppet master is like the like you know he he lives within like the net so he has access to all like all information ever but he's not in, like an individual like he has no self where the major has like a personality and she has you know like like uh, a way of thinking that makes her the major and uh it's different from what makes bato bato in the movie you know this movie is very philosophical. Like this is like it the, is you know, absurdly it philosophical. Asks, it like it asks so many big <laughs> questions and like yeah, this idea of like because there's like this element of like okay for this you know the puppet master to be AI and to kind of see everything and be like what's the point of like identity? And it's like there is this element where like you know like people get very caught up in like my privacy. I don't want my privacy. But I've always have this element of like yeah, but like you know, we're very much like it's as humans, very similar. Like our secrets are all kind of the same. We all suffer probably from a lot of very similar anxieties, like whether it's, you know, socially or, you know, whatnot, you know, there's also like this element of like, you know, but I don't want to see like, you know, the type of porn I watch or whatever. And it's like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. you're watching videos that have like millions of views. It's like, okay, you're Uh like, Clearly Everybody's not. kind of in the same boat here. So there's that, I guess there's got to be that cynical element for the puppet master where, yeah. where it's like, yeah, but everyone's kind of the same. So like, what's the point of individual, you know, being an individual when it's like, because also like, Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, because through also the, the entirety of the movie, they always, you know, they never give the puppet master a gender either. Yeah. Cause like, like even like, cause it like had like, the puppet masters in like this. Yeah. Kind of, the shell, if I will, of like this blonde, mm-hmm. long blonde haired person, which I was like, ah, that reminds me of a lot of character designs from other yeah. things I watched. Uh, <laughs> gives me, uh, um, uh, de- was it? Oh no, Dio vibes. What, what, what would Dio be in this movie? I guess Dio would just fucking murder everyone. Yeah, he, yeah. he would just be an onslaught. This would be a massacre. Like, he, Dio wants the puppet master's abilities essentially like that's what dio really wants he wants the ability to just like to wipe out everyone if he at his own whim um you know but obviously like the puppet master has more self-control in that way because there's like this element with the puppet master if i'm and correct me if i'm wrong but it's like the puppet master is intrigued by this idea of also dying like yes, yes, yeah that too. he wants that's to die true. on some level because he wants to like end but it's like, how can he end if he's kind of always also infinite? Yeah, just this idea, because like then if you're going like the philosophical part of my brain from like the three philosophy classes I took in university, um, is going like, yeah, well, if there's like, if God is real, is there, has there ever been a point, and God's been here since the beginning of time, has God ever actually had moments where he's like, I don't want to be here anymore? And what does that mean? You know, how deep is that question? How much DMT do I need to take to, to figure this out? What how many mushrooms do I need to take to get to that, bro? Bro, I've I've also th- this is just me getting weirdly personal, but like the past like couple couple weeks, maybe month or so, I've I've been suffering from what I call endless dreams, and they're dreams where like you feel like weeks have passed, and then you wake up and you've only been asleep for two fucking hours, and it's honestly the most nightmare shit. It's it's also why I'm only sleeping like six hours, six hours or less now a day. 
Yeah, whenever you lose, like, your perception of time or a short amount oh of time, feels like an eternity, that is, yeah, it kind of melts your, your reality, it dude. It does, and then, like, you feel like you've, like, lived, like, you know, it feels like, you know, all this time has passed, and then within a minute, you've completely forgotten the dream. It's the most uh, fucked up like, shit, um, man. It's like that Rick and Morty episode where it's, like, the arcade game where you play, like, a dude's life. But, you know, there's always, like, a game over screen, and then you wake up, and you're like, God damn it, I only made it this far. <laughs> oh, the Roy, right? Roy from... Yeah, Roy. Roy. Yeah, yeah, the Roy game. He's taking Roy <laughs> off the grid, Roy. He doesn't have a social security <laughs> card number for Roy. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> With Roy, it's... Uh, was it Morty's version of it? It said he just, like, becomes, like, a rug salesman, and then, like... Yeah. <laughs> he just falls and dies, <laughs> and it's like... That was After, really like, right after beating cancer. Yeah, he beats cancer and then <laughs> from falling off of like a little like like stool. Yeah, stool, um, yeah. Yeah. I want I wanted a, a Roy spin-off. That's like that's my like campaign. <laughs> yeah. Roy. Or, or an actual um, Roy game adaptation. Oh, a Roy game would be bad. The, uh, so well, let's let's talk briefly about let's talk briefly about a character who who I, I want I want to give mention to him before um before we kind of move move on to more major stuff. Um, to, uh, Togusa. Togusa is just like a fun guy. I like Togusa yeah, so much. I like him. He's he's the only character. He's one of the only characters in the film who doesn't have any cybernetics, and you know he carry he carries uh, a standard like handgun. I love him so much. He he's kind of like if Harrison Ford from Blade Runner wasn't like a huge asshole. Yeah, he he kind of feels like he's a guy who is like who hasn't really left the eighties behind yet because it's <laughs> like. You know, he's got the like the like the Miami Vice kind of like ruggedness, <laughs> but he's like very much like because he was like probably a little too young for that, but now he's like coming mm-hmm. into his own. Um, yeah, he was like he was really great. Like he was, yeah, like I really I did like him um, as a person, and yeah, he didn't seem to have like much in the way of nefarious motives. He's like considered the one of the good cops, right? Like she wants. Yeah, to- yeah, exactly. You're an honest cop. Like that's why we chose you. That's like one of the things the major says. Yeah, that's exactly, it. and also it's like she he'll offer a different perspective. Like again, he's exactly like yeah human perspective of them all. So, uh, which I liked. I liked that she was aware enough to be like, yeah, we can't just have more of me around, or it's gonna. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that was an awesome line. That like that monologue too. That was a great one of many great monologues. <laughs> well, I love that. It's like part of it. It's like happening while there's like this. Yeah, like the uh, doing the car chase. Like it's all this like touch like. Very like moving monologue happens during this like intense car chase where she like hacks into like the car itself and he's just like he was driving out one but now he's just like sitting back, like just like he's like, I guess she's taken over. And like I I guess that could be like a, a easy transition to talking about that fight scene that takes place like in front of the city on like that slightly like submerged water like plateau and uh the major is like invisible in that one dude uh is, is is like trying to fight her and then he just gets like thrown like a rag doll just all over the place it's such a great fight scene and yeah. great way to save animation by making your second character invisible <laughs> i i know it and it feels like i'm surprised more like sci-fi movies don't try to do that where it's mm-hmm. like where it's you have these, it like, works it works with the story it works with the setting you know Oh, for sure. I mean, and it's like, and then you get this like cool technology of being like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're like kind of a, like it's invisible. You got that, this cloak, which is, you know, I think a superpower. A lot of people kind of like on the list of like, oh, I wish I could fly and stuff. It's like always like that one's always kind of one. Yeah. Of, 
Um, I wish I could turn invisible. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Nefarious deeds into. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so it's like, you know, having that, but it's like having it on this, like, yeah, this like sort of like in this kind of canal. It's like, I don't even know like how to describe it, like in terms of like what type of service is it? Cause yeah, it is kind of wet. I feel like I've seen like versions of that, like kind of like they've beat someone up in that, like where there's kind of water a lot. And I feel like it all ties back to this movie and this sequence. This doesn't have that much of a, like a linear plot on some levels. Um, and yeah, so I'm like trying to remember. It's like, yeah, that fight happens. There's also like, oh yeah, like the new, um, yeah, that the person, the Deo looking person, they're like kind of like experimenting on them, like where it's like, you know, they they think they're taking it offline and they're like basically like taking it like limb for uh, taking off limbs and like it was hit by a car. And it's like it keeps waking up because it has, you know, more abilities than like the people who are like experimenting on them. And then obviously, like, oh, I love just like they're like kind of he's like doing his kind of mantra, like the being like, I'm the, you know, I'm all seeing and all that. And then he kind of like everything just explodes and then like he obviously disappears. Uh, but I also, for whatever reason, I was like, I was, I loved like the where they were experimenting on him. It looked like they just like, oh, they've got like the biggest silo they found. It's like it's like deep down underground. I'm like, oh man. Uh, but anyways, I guess we can like kind of move to like kind of the climax of the plot, which is you know the the puppet master, um, basically goes wild. Like mm-hmm. the the major like goes out for him by herself essentially, and actually basically tells her boss to go fuck himself too because she's like i'm i'm gonna get him myself and you don't have to call back up and then bato like comes in and makes sure that she's okay because you know they're 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 cool and they're they they have a they have a good dynamic yeah they've got classic sort of like buddy cop dynamic where i like that he wasn't a creep to her like that was my worry i was Oh man, it's like it's gonna like hit on her and stuff, and it's gonna get really awkward. But no, it's like he just like treats her as like a true partner. It's like okay, we're like we're working this uh, job together. Like you know, you're my equal. And like in fact, like you know, with this last fight with uh, you know, I guess it's like sex and yeah, with section. It's like in a section six building or section six, like surrounds it with snipers at one point. Mm-hmm, yeah, taken. Um, but like. The puppet master is like basically in like a tank, if I'm not mistaken. We're really jumping around. The the spider tank, that's what it is. Um, that action sequence is just so fucking great. I love it. Uh-huh. It's so it's fucking like, good. Because because like the puppet master is technically like three different places at once. Because he's there's a spider tank which he takes control of, but then the the body of like the the blonde uh uh, uh woman that he like inhabits is in the backseat of a car that another dude who he like brain hacked is driving. And it, it, it's like it, it really also goes to show just like how connected the puppet master can be in in the film and like how big of a threat he is, too. You know? Oh, yeah. I didn't even I forgot about the guy in the car. Yeah. No, it's like, yeah. Like the thing is, it's so interesting because, again, he keeps wanting to die. Like that's mm. part of it. It's like, you know, as you know, but at the same time, it's like you're like, I, you know, I'm of the opinion like he's well, I don't think he dies, but it's like. This element of like, yeah, but you're not gonna like go. Like you're gonna get to the point of almost letting go, and then you're gonna get yeah. like honestly probably scared, and then like you know mm. shipped over somewhere else so you don't pass away. He keeps like reincarnating himself by jumping from like shell to shell. Exactly, but yeah, this yeah. one it's like yeah, you've got the major like yeah, essentially fighting this tank, 
and like losing. Like it's like it's not like a winning battle. Yeah, no, she 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 doesn't de- defeat the tank. And I love when she's like uh trying to kind of rip off the top of the tank and her whole body like just like kind of <laughs> rips apart. And fuck, man, you just like see yeah. all the uh, the innards and everything. The dude who animated that, like, oh, that that must have been like painstaking. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's like it you're literally crazy. seeing like uh, like like it's one of those times where like again, she's like ends up like kind of topless, but like it's that thing of like, but you're not like like it's not human because it's like oh, it's yeah, literally yeah. like the clothes are ripping because she's pulling and so like hard. her muscles yeah. are like flexing and she's like she 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 kind of looks like 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 the hulk you know she's like hulking out in that scene yeah but then it's like so much that like it's like not only it's the clothes mm-hmm. ripping but like you know then yeah the skin's starting to tear and then you'll yeah, see yeah. muscles and like then that like the ro- like i guess the metal is uh, you know essentially just like coming away at the seams as mm-hmm. she's trying to rip this tank apart and then uh, Bato being the good guy that he is, yeah, like, that was awesome. she's about to just get like blasted, and instead Bato like basically makes sure to save the head because I guess that's like that's obviously the most important part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and like he he comes in with this like giant like heavy artillery gun and just like pops like three shots into the tank, and the tank's just like, and, and it's like, well, like maybe the major didn't think of bringing that gun or something. I don't know. But yeah, but I also think the major got very like obsessed Puppy, with, yeah with the pup well yeah with the puppet master like in terms of like you know because there's that dueling of element of like do i succumb to like just being the ai oh yeah and uh she 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 also told uh uh, uh her boss too that it, it was like it was the last chance that she would get to merge like like to try and merge with the puppet master's entity also so there was that like drive for her because that that was like one of the things she wanted to do throughout the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. I guess that's a big part of the movie that we weren't talking about. It's this like <laughs> element of like like they haven't merged yet, and so she thinks like, well, if I merge with the puppet master, we'll get the you know the information, and then like obviously get to use it for whatever we do. Yeah. Um, but obviously that's not how it works. Um, so, so that's the prettiest so girl at the ball. So that's the interesting thing about this movie, though, because you know, again, the villain isn't even necessarily defeated like the villain the, oh, yeah. the hero and the villain kind of come to a mutual understanding oh yeah uh-huh that was also like an, an interesting thing with the sequel not to jump uh too far but also like piecing together all the stuff that happened in between because that movie also takes place like not it's not a direct sequel oh that's cool yeah, yeah. like you guys were talking about that earlier but yeah no like i think we can just jump into this ending where uh yeah where the major wakes up uh in like the safe house and like you see this shot and it's like you see the major's head but it's like got a little girl's body um and then it's like kind of being like like it's got all these like like i don't even know if it was blood or oil or some other like liquid it's like kind of being you know injected into her she's like on this chair kind of passed out it's really creepy like it it, and you got that music you have the music from like i think it was from earlier where it's like you know this unsettling tone it reminded me of like i have you guys seen like there's that like video from uh, years ago um the where it's like the uncanny valley like uh one where it's like the robots being like i feel fantastic yes 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 i know that video yeah that totally gave me those vibes because also it, it the the shot that introduces it is like a shot down a hallway and it zooms in on the mirror and you just see this like like you know creepy little little girl in a dress sitting in a chair and then once you finally zoom in it's just like just undead eyes like looking in yeah like and it's that thing of like 
I like I think it's common where like humans know when something's not human, right? It's just mm-hmm. like an instinct. It's like probably what it'll stop AI from becoming like like in terms of robots from becoming like yeah. too powerful will be this element of like you always will well actually I can't say always because there's there might be a world where you just grow up with it and then you just don't even tell anymore. Um, but at least right now, like for everyone who's alive today, you know, I think you'll you'll always have like a step back. But yeah, it was just like I I was so impressed by the animation to like evoke that feeling. Like it's just like it's such a perfect shot. Like this, like it's yeah, I'm a sucker for like those like long kind of zooms that are kind of slow and unsettling. Very uh, Kubrick esque. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. And, yeah, but then I like it's like afterwards, like uh Bato comes in and it's just like, oh I couldn't <laughs> like she wakes up. And then Bato comes in and it's like, yeah, we've got a new body. Uh, yeah, sorry, it's uh, a child's body. It's the only thing I could find on the black market. Yeah, that's yeah that was thing. so weird. I was like, thank God he just said, this is not my thing. Like, I was being so scared. <laughs> like, no, like, yeah, oh, imagine if it ended with like being like, yeah, it was, uh, I had that lying around. And I'd be like, oh my God, the yeah. implication's horrible. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, I think so... he literally says, like, it's a little young for my taste. Yeah, I was like, oh, thank God. Thank God. Like, this guy's a good like, I didn't guy. want to hate you, Bato. Like, because this movie could have done that. It would have, like, I, if this was made in the 80s, like, he would have, he would have made that, like, comment slash joke or whatever. So, so the thing, of course, is that, yeah, I'm, uh, the, the major and the puppet master, they're, they are not, they're, they're one and the same now. They're, they're neither the major nor the puppet master. They're kind of the Muppet Master. Some, there's something new. There's something <laughs> the new. Master. The Muppet Master. <laughs> this, this film has again. I just feel like ha- having seen more more recent American takes on AI yeah. and just and just how Westworld's Westworld, despite having you know all the money from HBO, just has such a bland take on artificial intelligence. When when something like this, there's also a video game called Near Automata that also really gets it. Like that that robots that robots are more than just like human. Like they are an entirely different thing and therefore they would think differently. It's not just, Mm -hmm. Oh, Hey, it's, uh, it's a machine, but we should feel empathy for it because, you know, machines have feelings too. It's like, well, no, they would. Yeah. It's thinking it, it's thinking way more. The the ideas of what AI are and what, you know, cyborgs are is just far more interesting than, than kind of the standard American, uh, once yeah because then there's like ai with robin williams and uh yeah uh, well and i I think the 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 american idea is like oh ai learns to become human and who knows aren't we all human whether we're uh, metal or flesh this is almost presented like the next evolutionary step in like human development because now that like human beings have merged uh themselves with like computers and computerization like the major uh, is like the next step in the evolutionary process in that world. Yeah, because yeah. now it's got, kind of got the technology of uh, the puppet master, but you know, but it still has retention of it, its human self from before. Yeah, exactly. And it's not ha- it didn't have its uh, memory wiped the way that others uh, who come in contact with the mm-hmm. puppet master had. Yeah, I think. I mean, I might be wrong. Like, I might be totally off. Like again, I. There's this element where I'm like, like, am I smart enough for this? Like, I feel like, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm definitely smart enough for Westworld. <laughs> like, I'm definitely, I'm definitely, I, 
I under I understand Westworld. I just think it's dumb. It's dumb. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this movie though, not so much. I'm like I'm like I'm supposed to be the anime expert, but I'm not the philosophy expert. So um, oh, yeah. I kind of fucked up in that regard. Anyways, um, so the the final scene of the film, uh. Major Muppet Master, whatever we want to call them, um, they walk outside and they have they have a great quote uh, that ends the movie, and it's and where does the newborn go from here? The net is vast and infinite. Yeah, as it like pans over the city, and yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's it's the the world is their oyster. I mean, again, this this film really doesn't even need a sequel. I'm, I'm really I am gonna watch Innocence. Um, yeah, it it could be a standalone complex. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, th- this whole franchise is interesting, though, because I do like the idea that they can just kind of they've used it as kind of a springboard to just, you know, talk about what what AI is, what 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 is it? What does it mean to be alive? It's uh, um, I don't know if you guys remember that leading to the release of Blade Runner 49, there was like these little mini like prologue episodes uh like that starred like uh, some of the actors in the movie just kind of explaining what's happened. And one of them was like an anime uh, short and it was like really well, like, like done. It, it was done by like a, a famous dra- Actually, I think it might've actually been done by the director of ghost in the shell. And it, it was just like uh, kind of explaining like what, what, what's happened in between like the first and the, 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 the new blade runner. And it, it also surprises me that like they haven't like, cause like, I feel like, Blade Runner would be begging to have an anime adaptation. I forget. I think there was like something with the Cowboy Bebop guy doing it, but I'm not sure if that was just the short that he did or if it's going to be something more. It makes a lot of oh, I mean, if you get the Cowboy Bebop guy in, yeah, it's going to be great. I know uh, Studio Trigger is doing um, a Cyberpunk 2077 anime, but we'll see if that still gets made given the reputation of the game and maybe it's not much of a franchise anymore. Are we ready to get into the speed wagon of it all? Yeah. Speed wagon. Allow me to elucidate ya. The name is Robert EO Speedwagon. I know who my speed wagon is, so I'll go first. Um I kinda already hinted at it. I love uh to- Togusa, he's awesome. He's just—he's a chill guy in, in a in a film that is so heady and just psychological. <laughs> like Togusa is just like he'd be me. He's just—he's just kind of vibing. I would say my speed wagon. I was I was thinking about this hard, and truly, if there was anybody who was actually chilling throughout the whole movie, no matter what, it was that one dude that runs out when Bato is like chasing the garbage man, and he's like, "Ah oh, man, I missed the garbage truck." <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like in his pajamas and he's like disheveled. And it's like, at least there's still people who are like sitting on their couch and just like streaming Netflix and like just taking it easy in the future. It's not always robot fights and shootouts. Oh, absolutely. That makes, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was thinking about that guy as well, but I'm going to go with, uh, not even a, a human. I'm just going to go with the Beagle. I feel like, I feel like, <laughs> I just, you know, I'm a big fan of Beagles. Uh, they're a good dog. Um, and so, yeah, I guess, you know, I was like, there was a part of me that was, that thought the beagle was going to be more important. Like there was this thing, cause like <laughs> in the, you see him on the bridge and then you see him in the photo with the garbage man. And I was like, wait, is the beagle a robot 
like and then like has the puppet master been in it but now it seems like it's just like a, a beagle like it's a random dog so yeah i'm going with that beagle <laughs> all right then uh final thoughts on this movie ghost in the shell 1995 so this is a classic, huh? Like that's how like that's how I kind of went into this, where I was like, oh, so this is a considered like a modern classic, but I totally get it, and I and I think I'm kind of like feel saddened that I watched it now, like having seen everything, like things that have already ripped off it. So there's definitely parts of this where I was like, oh, I've kind of seen this already, but then I have to like go back and be like, no, but the things I've seen are ripping this off. Like this is the original like kind of source material. And I and I think I was just really uh, blown away by the ambition of uh, of the of its scope and like the patience it had and like some of the sequences. There's like long silences. The music's really great visually. This is like, just a visual feast. So mm-hmm. uh, and it's just a thinker. Like that's the last one. This is this is like I'm yeah. This is what like my film studies professors you know should have been talking about instead of like you know talking about you know M. Which is a really great movie from like the 40s. <laughs> yeah, no. The, again, well, what else is there to say about this movie? It's very, it's incredibly deep. Um, there's a lot to say about it. It's it's a total film studies film. And yeah, I think it's it's a classic for a reason. It's gorgeously animated. There's a lot of ideas. I've, it's been interesting just researching this franchise. I mean, I, I had watched this first season of Standalone Complex years ago. Um but having like, you know, browsed through the manga the past couple of days. Yeah, it's, and, you know, I really do want to watch it. And I swear to God, I watched Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence uh, before. I have no memory of it, but I'm I'm going to watch it again because I, I do just want to. I love these auteur works. I love it when uh, directors like Oshi can just kind of do whatever they want. And, you know, they'll, they'll yeah. let the producer, they'll let the producers take the heat. He's like. Since I watched this movie really, like, I would say probably really young for, like, I guess the target demographic, you know, grade 10 isn't super young, but, like, I had no idea, like, what the philosophy of this movie could have been, like, I I could not comprehend that at that time. But as I've gotten older, you know, like, like a fine wine, uh, the movie has, like, you know, aged, like, uh, very well, uh, you know, everything i think is still like relevant in like media right now it's 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 a genre and like uh it's especially the whole like sci-fi uh mixed with like philosophical concepts like uh uh films and books like people really like that and it's a really cool combination because it's a great allegory for also just like regular philosophy and us not understanding you know what life is all the time or we can't explain everything that goes on in our own heads and uh, like what consciousness is and th- this is a movie that is like super super cool in the way that it presents those ideas and just making the 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 future dark and brooding but then also kind of making you want to go and visit it in some capacity but also not want to visit it because it would probably suck if you lived in it <laughs> It, it's quintessential cyberpunk. It's quintessential anime. It's quintessential cinema. I think everybody should watch this movie. Yeah, I, I couldn't say it better myself. Um, all right, I guess this is uh, the time to to, to plug our plug ourselves. Oh wait, actually, before that, I have to announce uh, next week's anime and the the anime uh, you'll be watching next week. We're we're gonna have returning guest Raylan Carson to come join us to talk about the 2002 One Piece film. Hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm up for the challenge. I'm up for the challenge. 
I'm excited. I mean, I, I remember one piece uh, early on in the podcast being the one of these things where people would recommend it to me. Right. They would be like, you have you watched One Piece yet? But yeah, no, it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, uh, I'm ex- I, it's going to be exciting. And uh, I can't wait uh, to dive in. And I can't wait to torture Jack with more <laughs> uh, Adam Sandler references. Which, which Adam Sandler characters oh, yeah. will Luffy and Zoro be in this one? Um, yeah, so let's let's plug ourselves. Uh, you can find me at Only Real Jack M on Twitter, and Jack is Jack on Instagram. Yeah, you can pl- uh, find me um, I, on Instagram at uh, Malcolm R J McLeod. I technically have the same uh, Twitter handle, but I, uh, as I've explained in previous podcasts, uh, I actually lost access to that, so it's a dead account. But until I come up with a new Twitter account, I'm just going to allow that to be plugged because it's the same as my instagram really the only social media i really use is instagram uh i'm on instagram as uh, alvarizzle uh with two uh two zeds um and uh i i take photos and uh post them on there uh that's kind of like my hobby but uh apart from that i don't i don't really have uh anything else to plug i'm still trying to find things to work on apart from just watching anime all right. Um, yeah, you can find us on at is this anime pod on Twitter and Insta. And yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening, your listener. Uh, and also, uh, please, if you uh, let uh, people know that you watch it, please give us uh, some stars on uh, the Apple podcast or wherever you are listening to this. Leave a review. Uh, word of mouth helps a small podcast like us uh, keep growing and growing. And yeah, any little thing helps. So yeah, please, if you uh, enjoyed this, to go in uh yeah leave us a review and give us some stars and uh like uh, jack was saying uh we'll see you next time and remember stay true to the muppet master later power bums <laughs> <laughs>